perfect. In every aspect of the game, you drop a pass, you run a mile. You miss a blocking assignment, you run a mile. You fumble the football, and I will break my foot off in your John Brown hind parts. And then you will run a mile. Perfection. Let's go to work. Yeah, I love me a little contact, Petey. This is left side. Strong side. Left side. Left side. Left side. Catch him in that slant and let him over pursue. He's on to your game. You gotta throw something at him. He's not ready for him. Rev! Miss Rev. Yes, sir. All right, listen. You ready to run? Yes, sir. Fake 23 blast with a backside George reverse. You got that? Fake 23 blast with a backside George reverse like your life depended upon it. Let's go. Let's go. Hey everybody, welcome to the next episode of Double Down with Dad. I'm your host, Zach Woodzel. I hope you guys like that new intro. Um, Remember the Titans is definitely one of my top three favorite sports movies of all time. I can almost quote it word for word. My brother and I love the uh, fake 23 blast scene. Um, it's, it's just a great movie. If you haven't seen it, first of all, shame on you. Second of all, make sure you go watch it beginning to end. Denzel Washington is a fantastic, um, actor. So before we start, um, this episode with the AFC North, um, which is where this player that we're going to discuss ended up this off season, I want to discuss Deshaun Watson. So if you haven't seen the news, Deshaun Watson, who was the uh, quarterback for the Cleveland Browns, was traded this offseason. I'm sorry, he was not, he is now on the Cleveland Browns. He used to be with the Houston Texans. He was traded this offseason whenever the allegations of all of the sexual misconduct um, allegations came out against Deshaun. To be clear, before we go any farther, these are all allegations. He has not been to court yet. He has not been found guilty. <clears throat> but this take and this opinion is purely my opinion based on the evidence that we have right now. So Deshaun Watson was traded because he had, I believe it ended up being 26 counts of sexual misconduct against him. And I want to go through, the judge came out today and said that he should be suspended six games by the league for these cases of sexual misconduct. Now, before we dig into it deeper, I want to go through some of the previous NFL suspensions and how many games each one of these players got. So there was Calvin Ridley, who was also suspended for this season. He was suspended the whole year for betting $1,500 on games in which he did not participate. They went in and investigated him, and it came out that the games where he did place bets were games that he was either hurt, injured, sitting out. He did not participate. Uh, Vontez Burfecht, over his career, he's been targeted a total of 12 games. He's been suspended a total of 12 games for targeting. One of the most controversial, dirtiest players in NFL history only 12 games. DeAndre Hopkins, six games for performance-enhancing drugs. Over his career, Mar- Martavis Bryant, 
he's still suspended by the league for his drug abuse of marijuana. Josh Gordon has been suspended for 25-plus games for the same thing for marijuana. Darren Waller, 16 games for substance abuse. At the end of that list, we get to Deshaun Watson, 6 games for his 25 or 26 allegations of sexual violence or sexual misconduct or sexual assault, however you, you want to word it. This is very troubling by the NFL. You have a, a player who was suspended the whole season for betting $1,500 on a game. I understand that could be a big problem. But you have somebody who has 25 or 26 cases of him of, from different women alleging sexual misconduct whenever he had them come to his hotel room for... Uh, massages during the off season or during the season in between games. Now, how can you say, well, Zach, how are you, how are you alleging this? How are you saying that he should be suspended? He hasn't been to court. He hasn't been proven guilty. You're very true. You're very right. However, he has settled, I believe, at least 22 of those 26 cases. So if the man was innocent, he would not have paid over 20 women an undisclosed amount to make these cases go away. He would fight it in court. Look look what happened to Johnny Depp. He was accused of something that he didn't do. And instead of just saying, okay, well, I'll just pay you to make it go away and, and just let you keep my money, absolutely not. The man went out and he fought for what was his. And the same thing should have happened for Deshaun Watson, but he's not fighting it. He's settling these cases. So it's coming out that he suspended six games for the year, which is why I want to jump into the NFC North, which is where he is going to be on the Cleveland Browns. But first, I want to jump into the Baltimore Ravens. Now, the Baltimore Ravens, let's go through their draft picks. Let's let's go through what they did. Um, in the first pick at number 14, they got Kyle Hamilton, the safety out of Notre Dame. They already have a pretty strong back end, but with the Ravens, they saw him on the board and couldn't pass him at number 14. They also had another pick at, at number 25, and they got Tyler Lindenbaum, the center from Iowa. Now, the thing about him is they really wanted him high. They wanted him at the top of their draft at number 14, but they passed on him, and when he was still there at number 25, they had to take him. Second round, their key addition was David uh, Ajabo from the outside linebacker from Michigan. Um, a lot of people passed on him because he tore his Achilles at his pro day. So he's going to start the season hurt. He's going to start the season um, on IR, but they're hoping that when he comes back that he can be a great outside linebacker for them. Key offseason ad additions for the Ravens, not very many. They brought back Calais Campbell. Um, they signed Kyle Fuller. I'm not sure if he was there or not, the cornerback. Um, Kyle Fuller, I think he might have been with Washington before, but um, they signed him at cornerback. That's pretty much their offseason additions. They re-signed Justin Houston. They didn't have a lot of key offseason additions, but they are getting the ex-MVP Lamar Jackson back. 
They are also getting back J.K. Dobbins off of injury last year. I think it was an ACL that kept him out last year. It was either an ACL or an Achilles. Pretty sure it was an ACL. So let's go through their their depth chart, and then we can talk about my key concern for this team. Um, of course, you have Lamar Jackson. In the backfield, you have J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards. Wide receiver, which I think is an area they could have added. They have uh, Rashad Bateman, uh, Devin Duvernay. They had uh, James Prochet, the second. And, of course, lining out that top offense is Mark Andrews at tight end, definitely a top three tight end in the game. On the defensive side, they still have Calais Campbell, Patrick Queen at linebacker in the backfield, in the the back four. They have Marcus Peters still, still have Kyle Hamilton, who they signed, Marcus Williams, and, of course, Marlon Humphrey. So here's the thing about the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. I just have a hard time trusting Lamar throwing the ball. And it's nothing against him. It's not that I hated him coming out of college. But let me let me give you some stats on Lamar. And this is going to be by season, okay? 2018, 1,200 yards passing. 2019, 3,100 yards passing. I think that's the year that he won MVP. He had 36 touchdowns and six interceptions. 2020, 2,700 yards, 26 touchdowns. 2021, 2,800 yards, 16 touchdowns. But last year, he also had 13 interceptions before he ended ended the season hurt. Now, let's go to rushing yards. 695 in 2018, 1,200 yards in that MVP campaign in 2019, 1,000 yards in 2020, and 767 yards last year. So for his career, Lamar Jackson has 9,900 yards, 9,967. Let's call it for what it is. Let's call it 10,000 yards. So he has a 64% completion percentage, not terrible, 10,000 yards, but only a seven and a half average, yard average on his career, 84 touchdowns, 31 interceptions, career passer rating of 98.1. So it's not that Lamar isn't an efficient passer. The problem with the Baltimore offense is it's all relying on his legs. You can't expect Lamar Jackson to throw you back into a ball game. So they're hoping that whenever they're playing these games that they don't get down by a big amount because as soon as you get down by a big amount, you have to rely on Lamar's arm, and that's not an option. So can Lamar Jackson come back this season and be an efficient passer? I think the 7.5 yards is also a big thing about the Ravens. They're not throwing the ball deep. So if I'm a defensive coordinator, I understand that it's much more complicated than this, and I'm just uh, an old high school coach sitting on his couch talking about this. But if I'm a defensive coordinator, I'm putting everything I have in the box and letting my cornerbacks and my one safety play the top. 
let my cornerbacks play one-on-one, let them play one-on-one with the wide receivers, put everybody else in the box, and dare Lamar Jackson to throw the ball. And I think that's what NFL teams are starting to do. Because last year, I mean, he only played the 12 games and then he got hurt. But teams are starting to figure out the Ravens ride or die with Lamar's legs. So let's see what the Ravens do. My key thing is can Lamar Jackson, I want to see him this year get over 3,000 yards passing. I want to see him go back to that MVP season where he got thirty. He had 3,100 yards. He was only off of it last year by 200 yards before he got hurt, and I understand that. But Lamar has to be an efficient passer if the Ravens ever want to get to the big game. Now let's jump into one of my favorite teams to watch in the NFL, the Cincinnati Bengals, who coming off the Super Bowl season, I loved watching Joe Burrow play last year. And if you follow the Cincinnati Bengals on Twitter, everybody was bashing them last year for taking a kicker in the first round, I think, of the draft, Evan Evan McPherson. And after every win in the playoffs where he kept kicking game-winning field goals, the Bengals were tweeting, and that's why you draft a kicker. So for the Cincinnati Bengals coming off the Super Bowl, what did they do in the draft? In the draft, the first round, they got... Uh, Daxton Hill, who was the other safety from Michigan. Now, in the draft, the Cincinnati Bengals realized that they needed to jump on the defensive side of the ball so that way they could focus on the offensive side of the ball in free agency. So they got a safety from Michigan with the first pick. With their second pick, they got Cam Taylor-Britt, a great cornerback out of Nebraska, The third pick, they got a defensive lineman, Zachary Carter from Florida. So with the first three picks, and actually three out of the five picks, they were all defensive-based. They had two safeties. They had a cornerback, a defensive lineman, a linebacker, and then they drafted Cordell Volson, who is an offensive lineman from North Dakota State. So draft-wise... Bengals really went after the defensive side of the ball so that they could focus on the offensive side of the ball in free agency. Now, if you watch as much of the Cincinnati Bengals as you can as I have and and I tried to watch them as much as I could, the thing with the Cincinnati Bengals was they did not have an offensive lineman. In that Super Bowl, Joe Burrow was running for his life. So what did they do in free agency to help that? Well, The first and biggest thing that I think they added was Lyle Collins from Dallas. So they added him to a three-year contract. They got Alex Kappa, who's a guard. So in the draft, in free agency, they drafted or I guess signed three players that could be immediate starters and replace those offensive linemen. So three out of the five people coming in will start. They will leave the other two positions up for competition in uh, training camp in the preseason. But I think them adding all of the offensive linemen that they did was a great help for Joe. I think it, it is a nice addition. Now, let's go through their depth chart. They have, of course, Joe Burrow backfield. They still have Joe Mixon. I think they have... 
one of the best trios of um, wide receivers in the game. They have Jamar Chase, who, if you saw his Madden ranking, he's not even a top 10 Madden wide receiver, which just proves why Madden is going down the tubes like everybody that plays it knows it. Um, On the other side, they have T. Higgins. They have Tyler Boyd in in the slot, and they lost their tight end. Um, I can't even think of his name right now, and that's terrible because I'll say it later whenever I see. I think he signed with the Jets, so we'll, we'll cover him when we get there. But they got Hayden Hurst. The big tight end. I think he, I know he was with Baltimore once upon a time. Um, I'm not sure where he was last year. Let me see if I can find out really quick. And he might have been with them last year too. And maybe I just didn't realize it. Sorry, I'm trying to get you accurate information here. Last year he was with Atlanta. So the last year last two years he was in Atlanta. The two years before that he was in Baltimore. So they have Hayden Hurst at tight end, which I think will be a great addition for them since they lost their starting tight end. They have the the key additions up front in the defense, which you have got to get rid of Eli Apple on that backside. After the Super Bowl, all those people came out, all everybody on social media making fun of Eli Apple, how he couldn't see, he was legally blind and, and everything. But Eli Apple was awful. He talked all that crap before the Super Bowl and then did absolutely nothing to back it up. So my concern for the Bengals is not on the offensive end. It's definitely on the defensive end this year. Yes, they did draft all of those the, the rookies that we talked about. But I think on the back end, they're very um, vulnerable. They do have Awuzie, who's fine. You can put him by himself, Chidobia Awuzie, and he can he can guard a lot of players one on one. I won't say everybody, but the other three, I think, is a concern. So my concern with the Cincinnati Bengals, what can they do on the defensive end so that way they can help Joe Burrow stay off the field, not have to play so much, give him some rest, and not make Joe throw for so many yards during the season. Now let's jump into the Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh fans have to be wondering what's going to happen this year. Big Ben, who has been their rock, their their main person to lean on for the last I'm not sure if he played 20 years, but I'm going to throw at least 15 out there. Of course, he's gone now. So what did Pittsburgh do in the draft? With their first pick, of course, they got Kenny Pickett from Pitt. And with their second pick in the first pick in the second round, they drafted George Pickens out of Georgia. So with Pittsburgh's um, draft, you can tell that they were really focusing on the offensive side of the ball. Pittsburgh's main concern is now how do we replace Big Ben? How do we help make sure that we can successfully score? Because before, yes, Pittsburgh hasn't been that great for that long, 
But say what you want, as long as you were within a score or two of the game, you were never out of a game with Pittsburgh. Never, never, never. Because Big Ben just had that skill. Big Ben had that capability to bring your team back. So how do they replace him? In the offseason, they signed Mitchell Trubisky. Now, what is their plan? I'm interested to see what happens in the offseason with this quarterback competition. Do they throw Pickett into... Do they, th- do they throw him into the bull? You know, do you throw him into the ring and say, good luck? Or do you start Mitchell Trubisky, let him get some time under his belt? Pittsburgh is not going to be competitive this year with whoever they put behind quarterback. Let's just get that, my opinion, out there right now. I think this will be the first time in their head coach's career that he is under 500. This will be the first time in 20 years that this man has been under 500. We'll get there in a little bit when we talk about over-unders. But I say you start Mitchell Trubisky, give him a chance, first of all, to earn his spot on another team. Because after this year, I say you throw Pickett in there. He's a first-round pick you got to let him start at some point. So let Trubisky come in. You signed him to a two-year contract. Let him play this year out. Then maybe next year offload him for some picks, for some capital, for a spot that you need. And then see, see what happens. You know, Then you bring Pickett in, and hopefully you have your quarterback of the future. Um, they re-signed Terrell Edmonds, their great safety on the defensive end. They signed him to a one-year contract. Um, they didn't honestly do a whole lot in free agency, which it's hard for Pittsburgh now. They're, they're definitely in the bottom half of their division with, with Baltimore and Cincinnati being towards the top. They're towards the bottom, so it's going to be hard for them. It's going to be a, a rebuilding couple years for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, we can look at their death chart really quick. I feel really bad for Najee Harris because he, he's a great com- co- running back coming out of out of Alabama. But now um, they lost Juju Smith-Schuster to the Chiefs. Um, on the wide receiver, they still have Deontay Johnson. They have Chase Claypool. They have George Pickens. So with – a questionable quarterback behind center, I think teams are just going to load the box and take away Najee Harris. I had him in fantasy last year. He gets a lot of touches. He gets a lot of screens. He gets a lot of halfback swings. So I think as long as teams take away Najee Harris, they know they're going to be able to to succeed. This defense is what keeps Pittsburgh in games. They still have Cam Hayward. They still have T.J. Watt. They still have Devin Bush. They still have Miles Jack. They still have Terrell Edmonds. They still have Minka Fitzpatrick. So the defensive side of the ball is not what is questionable here. The question is, what are they going to do on offense? What does the quarterback position do? Here's my, my concern 
for the Pittsburgh Steelers is that quarterback spot. And I know I've, I've harped on it a little bit, and it seems like a lot of teams are, what about the quarterback? What about the quarterback? However, part of it could just be a distraction part too. If you have a quarterback like Pickett who's coming in, not sure what his future is going to hold, and you always have Trubisky looking over your shoulder. So can a quarterback succeed? Can Mitchell Trubisky truly succeed when he has to look over his shoulder? They still have Mason Rudolph. So technically, it could be a three-quarterback competition for that starting job. So I think sometimes getting rid of one of those people or at least coming out and saying, hey, look, Mitch is our starter, That's it. that at least lets him not look over his shoulder for a little while. That's why San Francisco is going to be trading Jimmy G because they don't want Trey Lance looking over his shoulder. They don't want questions after every game. What about Kenny Pickett? What about Kenny Pickett? What about Kenny Pickett? They want whoever the starting quarterback is, and if Kenny Pickett comes out and he doesn't do well, then they're going to be saying, well, maybe he's not the quarterback pick that we thought he was. So now we need to go and let let Mitch play. So the question behind the Pittsburgh Steelers is how long do they let the quarterback drama linger before they name a starting quarterback? Now for the last team in the division where Deshaun ended up, let's look at the Cleveland Browns. Now last in the AFC is, of course, the Cleveland Browns. And to be honest, I don't want to cover them. Um, specifically because of how this whole Deshaun Watson thing has has come out. And if you haven't figured it out yet, it, it normally takes me a couple days to get an episode out. Um, being a stay-at-home dad and doing my accounting work from home, um, I kind of have to post these episodes and record when I can while Savvy gives me the opportunity. So since the last recording of the episode, um, a suspension has come down for Deshaun Watson, but we'll get there in a minute. Um, so with, with the Browns, they have some key additions. However, truth be told, I, I'm just, I'm not going to go into it with, with the Browns. Um, their first six games, which is what the suspension for Deshaun was before the new, um, appeal, which we'll talk about that again here in just one second. The six games are, are very were very winnable for them um they had panthers jets steelers falcons lose to the chargers and then the patriots so browns i expect them to be in the bottom half of the division but with the way that you guys have been acting and the way that the cleveland browns have been running their organization i'm not going to give them the day or time to cover them so if you're a browns fan listening I'm so very sorry that I'm not covering your team, um, but I refuse to cover a team and give them any time of day the way that their organization has been run here recently. And so let's jump into the new update with Deshaun Watson. Now to Deshaun Watson case. If you guys don't know or if you haven't been able to figure it out, it normally takes me a couple days to record an episode when I'm home with with Savvy Joe um, doing my accounting business from home. 
Um, honestly, I work on this when I can, when she allows me to, you know, when she's sleeping or when she's kind of entertaining herself. So since the beginning of this episode, since when I recorded it last, um, the NFL has decided to appeal the six uh, game suspension that was handed down by the judge. Uh, her last name was Robinson. So Deshaun Watson was found in her report to be egregious, to be premeditated, and to be sentenced for six games. Well, the NFL wasn't happy with that. Um, They were hoping for at least 12 games or at least a year, and they decided to appeal the decision. The best thing that happened with this whole thing is that Roger Goodell said, we're not happy with it, but I'm not going to be the person to decide that. Now, this is a great point, and this is a great decision for him, because what would happen if he said, I'm not happy with this decision, and I'm going to hear the appeal? The players would have absolutely revolted to say, you know, who are you to be the ultimate judge, jury, and executioner? So he's going to pick somebody outside the NFL to hear this appeal, and they're going to use that judge's findings and her statements to say why this should be more than a six-game suspension. The Browns organization should absolutely be disgusted with themselves, should be disgusted with their fans, should be dis- they, they should be ashamed of themselves. Deshaun Watson goes to the Browns training facility at practice, and you should have seen the clip of all of the Browns fans huddled around Deshaun Watson begging for a autograph. I want you to put yourself in this position. Imagine your wife. Imagine your daughter. Imagine your whoever the significant woman in your life is. Imagine them working for a company, going to an individual to provide a service for that individual, and then that person saying, you can't leave until you do X, Y, and Z with me. That's an absolutely disgusting and egregious thing. I I would... Things that would happen if somebody did that to my Savvy Joe are unspeakable. So for all of you Browns fans who were at their training facility begging for this man's autograph, you should be ashamed of yourself. This was a premeditated act by Deshaun Watson. He, he had over 24 cases. So 24 different women accused Deshaun Watson of basically the same actions. 24. So he tried it with one or two and then said, you know what? This actually works. I can get away with this. I'm going to do it 24 times. It was premeditated. And it should be something that should be dealt with. He should be suspended no less than a year and should have a severe fine attached to it. To wrap up the episode, let's talk about over and under projections for each team. This division is going to be playing the NFC South and the AFC East. So with all of these teams, it's really going to determine their division record is really going to determine their over and unders because they're playing the NFC 
south. So other than the Bucks, they're not really playing a whole lot of, of hard people. Um, the Saints, like we talked about last episode, could be decent, maybe not. Um, and then in the AFC East, the only team that's there is the Bills. So let's start. We're going to go down from who they have with projected the most wins, and we'll go down. So Cincinnati Bengals, I have them winning the division. They're over and under is at 10 wins. So we're going to go over for the Cincinnati Bengals, over 10 this division, before we continue, is going to be very interesting because they, the top two teams in this division, the Bengals and the Ravens, it's going to be, you would think, one of the playoff spots, one of the wild cards are going to be for one of these teams. But that AFC West is just going to be so, so tough to get over and so tough to um, get a playoff spot. So I'm interested to see how this plays out. But one of these teams is going to end up needing the wild card to get in. Um, I have the Bengals winning. The next team over-under is the Ravens at 9.5. I'll take the over on the Ravens, 9.5. I think they'll get to 10 wins. Uh, With J.K. Dobbins coming back, I think they're going to have a pretty good shot at improving this season. The next team that is on the list is the... Steelers at seven seven wins. I have them. I'll take the over on the Steelers of seven wins. I still think maybe they're going to win eight games, so that would still put them under five hundred. The first time in Mike Tomlin's career that he's going to be sub five hundred in my, um, I guess, hot take or prediction. So Steelers at seven wins. I have them over at eight. And the last team that is here. I did not see the Browns on the list. The Browns are also at nine and a half. I'm going to take the under on the Browns, and here's why. I think that Deshaun Watson is going to be suspended for the whole year. So with Deshaun Watson being being gone, there's going to be a lot of drama with the team. There's going to be a lot of you know who's going to play quarterback, who's gonna who's going to take control of the team, the drama surrounding them in the in the locker room. So I'm going to take the under on the Browns at nine and a half. Um, And I'm sure once they see Deshaun Watson get suspended, I'm sure that win total projection will come down. So under on the Browns. Here's here's something before I wrap up to keep an eye on. Keep an eye on the Browns trading for Jimmy Garoppolo. The 49ers are definitely going to trade him, I would guess, before the season starts. But once the suspension of Deshaun Watson comes down, keep an eye to see if the Browns maybe try to to go get Jimmy G. And if they get Jimmy G, maybe they might win more than nine and a half. But um, for now, I'm going to take the under. That's going to wrap it up for us, guys. I'm so sorry that it's taken me this long to get this episode out. I promise it won't take that long for the next one. Um, thanks again for listening. The Episodes are all available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and the Anchor platform. Um, Thanks again for your time. Jesus loves you.